0: We thank God you have tuned in to this message by David Entry at Caris Church. No hand can help you with the fulfillment of your destiny but the Word of God. May God hand align with you further into your destiny through this Word. Galatians chapter four, verse four and five. Let's turn to our Bibles, it's, just, it's nice. And we are all going to read it together. Galatians chapter four, we are reading verse four and verse five. And all of us are reading. Is everyone there? Yes. If you are there, say amen. Amen. All right. God sent forth his son, made of a woman, and made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Amen. amen. And my second Bible reading is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be wonderful, Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Amen. Shall we please pray? Father, thank you so much for giving us the privilege to be assembled here before you. And thank you that you've given us your word we can read from And we can hear from, oh God, speak to us from an open Bible and let our eyes and our hearts be illuminated to see Christ, who is the beauty of Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Please be seated. Today, I want to talk briefly about the beauty of Christmas, the beauty of Christmas. I'm sure most of us will be familiar with statements like, I don't believe in Christmas. Most of us here, if you've been a Christian for a while, or even some of us before we became Christian, you come across people who lambast Christmas, who are supposed to, who say they are Christians, but they can't stand Christmas because A, B, C, D, there's no Christmas tree in the Bible. There's no Santa Claus in the Bible. Jesus was not born on the 25th of December, and there are no techies, and, there is lot, and all those things, all those things are true, really. Jesus was not, was not born on the 25th of December, because shepherds don't watch their flock by night on the fields in December, in winter. Which shepherd will go and sit in the fields in winter? So he wasn't really born in December, really. Scholars believe he was born around April. So. Really, bad. so then why are we celebrating it? Why not? You hear someone say, "I don't believe." So where are all these Christmas trees from? If okay, if you if you're a Christian, why do you need Christmas tree? Do you know it has a pagan background? Oh, yeah. if he has a pagan, why don't I Christianize it? Yeah. It's not what you do that determines the value when you are Christian. It's who you are. Yeah. It's who you are. So. But the truth is, to the Christian, Christmas must not just mean what it means to the world. There's beauty in Christmas which the Christian must not miss. That's where the problem is. That you're doing all that, you're having to, and you're a Christian, and yet you have missed the beauty of Christmas. The core essence of Christmas, you have missed it. That's a problem. Christmas, it didn't just start with some people who felt like really uh, let's convert pagan religion into that's, 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 that's not the story of Christmas Christmas is a story Christmas is set in timeline Jesus was not born 25th December but certainly he was born one day yeah. Yeah. So the fact that he was born is what matters to me yeah. because the day he was born doesn't really matter mm. because God never gave that a day he would be born a certain date I was born in the fullness of time. In Genesis, in Genesis chapter 3, God said, a woman is going to give birth. And he didn't say that the seeds of the woman shall prove you. He said, the seed, there's a seed come, a particular seed. The theologians call it proto-evangelion, the first gospel. The first gospel that was preached was preached by God to the devil. God was the first person to preach the gospel. And then Abraham shows up on the scene, and God told Abraham, "In you shall Genesis chapter twelve verse three, in you shall all the families of the earth." He's not talking about plenty of people. It's there's a particular, a particular being, a particular personality coming from the loins of Abraham. So when God was calling Abraham, he didn't have a his mind was not just on a land. What God had in his mind was. The Messiah. Bible said, and Abraham believed it was accounted to him for righteousness. He believed in the Christ who is coming through him, his loins. So God spoke about it. So when we talk about Christmas, there is watch this. There is the prophecy aspect of Christmas. We started in Genesis. God said, The Messiah is coming, the king is coming. And so the scriptures we had read how the Magi, or you popularly known as the wise men, they came from the East, Matthew chapter. Two, From verse 1, Bible says that, and there came wise men. Really, it's not wise men as in wise men, but it's magi. They, they were special people, very powerful people from the east. And they came, Bible says that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Judea, the days of Herod. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. What for? And when they came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and have come to worship him. And then Herod was very troubled. When Herod, the king, heard this, he was so troubled, and not only him. The entire Jerusalem was troubled. What's going on? Again, this thing is serious. It troubled the whole city. Bible says that, and all Jerusalem with him, they were troubled. What is we people talking about? So Herod had to call the, the scribes and the priests, because they were those who were custodians of prophecy. Because these guys were pointing to, they saw a star, But the star cannot re. What we are seeing in our days must be traced to prophecy. So they said, let's check the prophecy. So they checked the prophecies and they realized that it has been said that in Bethlehem of Judea, a king is about to be born at this time. So prophecies, this thing we are celebrating had been prophesied many, many centuries before Jesus arrived. It was prophesied at the fall of man and every prophet who came on the scene spoke about it every prophet who came on the scene you are not a prophet until you speak about jesus the value of a prophet is he spoke about the coming christ that's why john the baptist was the greatest of all the prophets why because he said now behold the lamb i present him to you so it's important to understand that this whole thing about christmas and about the coming of the Son. It's prophecy. And it wasn't only just prophecy. It's also set in the timeline of history. It's undeniable, undisputable, unavoidable. You can't change history. The one who gave you that first bottle of alcohol to drink, it's gone down in history. You can never forget that person. There are people in your life you just can't forget. Even God cannot change history. We are talking about the birth of the Christ. It's history. This is we are talking about history. It's not like someone concocted an ideology or something. It's history. Jesus Christ actually lived. There was a person who lived, and it's historic. It's there. Yeah, it's in the history book. You are a very bogus historian if you deny the unimpeachable history of Christ. In fact, there's no academic exercise you can submit and deny the existence or the the history of Christ, and it be marked correct when it comes to history. You are a bogus historian. Because history cannot be changed, and history is there. So this thing is to set in a timeline of history. What time? I will talk about when Herod was king. Herod is not a religious person. He was a political person. Oh, in Luke chapter 2. Interesting. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 and verse 2. Very interesting submission there. Even before we go there, let me draw your attention to something very crucial in the book of Luke chapter 1, from verse 1, 2, and 3. Luke chapter 1, verse 1, 2, and 3. Luke says that inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order the narrative of these things which have been fulfilled amongst us. It's not somewhere. We know this things have happened. It's real. Luke said people have had their own narratives. Every Everybody have written something. He said, It seems prop. Look at that. Just as those from the beginning were eyewitnesses and, mini- and ministers of the word delivered them to us. He says that. Now, verse 3 is the keeping. Luke said, He's a medical doctor. How many of you know medical doctors can ask questions you don't want them to ask? And sometimes you don't have a choice <laughs> because he has to investigate. His mind has been trained to investigate, to look at the root causes of situations before he prescribed. So Luke said, Everybody is writing. People have given narrative. I've also, it seems appropriate. It seems appropriate. It seems good to me also. Having had perfect understanding of all things, because he investigated all the eyewitnesses, spoke to them, What have you seen? What were you there? He said, Having done all things from the very first to write unto you. Who an orderly account, a most excellent theophilus. It seems, look at verse 4, to write unto you. Why? Why am I writing all this? That's important. That you may know, you may know what? You may know what? Say it again, you may know what? When it comes to Christianity, listen to me, brothers and sisters. There are some things when you are not setting about, it doesn't matter, but there are some things you can't afford but to be setting about. There are things in Christianity, for instance, the birth of Christ. By a virgin, you have to be certain about that. So maybe science, like a child may ask, but what if there are some aliens on another planet? Some of the things you can't be, but what if maybe um, Abraham's mother was like, some things it doesn't matter, you know, it's okay not to have certainty, but you cannot be an effective Christian without being certain on some things. So he said, you know, we live in a time of um, um, relativism. All right? To you, it's your yeah, truth. To yeah. you, it's your truth. There are those things like, there are things that must, you are not certain about your name. You are not, you have to be certain about your date of birth. You have to be certain about your gender. You have to, yeah, yeah. No, no, s- why? That's why when you are filling forms, they ask. You, listen, you have to be certain about, your name, your address. When it comes to Christmas, there are so many things you might not be certain about whether Santa Claus is necessary, whether Christmas tree is necessary, whether but the beauty of Christian is what we should be certain about. The beauty of Christmas is the sun. The sun. And these things didn't happen in someone's imagination. It's not cerebral. It's actual. So what we read in Luke chapter 2, Verse, look at Luke chapter 2, verse 2. Luke said, I want you to be certain. So l- let's start from verse 1. I want you to be certain. Look at what he said. He said, it came to pass that in the days, that's history, in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, check the history book, if there was one Caesar Augustus. No, don't look at religious books. That's just secular history. Whether there was one, this is political. There was one person called Caesar Augustus. It came that he made a decree that all the world should go and be registered. Everybody, where you are born from, go and get registered. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 says that this census first took place while Quirinius was governor in Syria. Syria is a geographical location. So it was set within geography. There's geography behind Christmas. There is prophecy behind Christmas. There is history behind, and there is politics behind Christmas. Because this is talking about Quirinius. Some of you, had it not been this, you would have, who is Quirinius? It's not, this has not got anything to do with religion. Quirinius is a governor, Quirinius. So when you talk about Christmas, there's prophecy behind Christmas. There is geography behind Christmas. There is history behind Christmas. And there's definitely politics behind Christmas. And these are certain things you cannot dispute. It's, it's certain. You have to be certain about that before you make noise about what pagans were doing about Christmas. The beauty of Christmas is not the pagan religion connected to Christmas. The beauty of Christmas is the Son. The Son. The Son. So when you look at the text, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, Unto us a child is born. But that same child born is a son. Ooh, ah! So people are making us, hey baby Jesus, baby Jesus. But that baby is a mighty God. Ah! A mighty God in a babe? That baby is everlasting father. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. That baby, that's the Christmas. That baby is the son of God. He was born in a manger. As he lay down helpless, he still was the mighty God, helpless. Yes. Ah, that sounds like a conundrum. Yeah. The mighty God, yes, in the helpless babe. Yes, sir. That is the beauty of Christmas. And yet he says that unto us a child is born, unto us a son was not born. So before he was born, he existed. He existed before he was born. When you when you study scripture very carefully, you can see throughout scripture Jesus kept referring to the fact that I came to the world, I came. So he see. But why should we celebrate Christmas if? Your great-grandfather had encountered E.T. I'm sure your family will go down in the history book that your father discovered and met E.T., extraterrestrial being, some strange persons from different planets. That would be a big thing. It's a big thing. Or anything, if E.T. comes and leaves Shu. we'll put it in the British Museum. Yeah. <laughs> How much more mighty God comes on the earth? He didn't just show up from, or he didn't start existing from when he was born. He was already in existence before. So, that statement, when he says that a son was given, is pointing to a fact that someone who had already existed has now joined the earth. He came. So when you look at the uh, uh, scriptures, you look at John chapter 6, verse 42, chapter 8, verse 42, it points to the fact that Jesus said, I came, I have come down from heaven. He said, I came from somewhere. I didn't start from here. He said, I have come down from heaven. In John chapter 16, verse 27, verse 28, and verse 30. John chapter 16, verse For the father himself loves you because you have loved me and believed that I came from heaven. Verse 28. He said, I came from heaven. I came forth from the father. And I have come into the world. He didn't, he didn't just show up. That's what makes Christmas a very special thing. Mm. The beauty of Christmas is that someone who already existed, who doesn't have a beginning, chose to have a beginning on earth. Wow. Oh, the day having kissed the earth. I bless God for that day. Hallelujah. And I will never be apologetic and sorry for celebrating the day having kissed the earth. As long as the Christian, you can remember that it's about the arrival of the son. The son came. The Bible puts it this way, that John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes, he gave. The guy was already around, but he gave him. Now look at John 3, 17. Beautiful one. God did not send. Ah, so he was sent. You can't send someone who doesn't exist. He was sent. God did not send his son into the world. It's there. Black and white. He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. So he was there, but he was sent by the father. The father sent him. That is why he came. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. First John chapter 4, verse 9, you can see very clearly how he says that. In this, the love of God was made manifest to us as that God has sent. Sent. Now, because of my time, let me leave there. I've told you he came, and he, we see he was sent. There are so many other references we can give, but because of the brevity of time, let's look at this word, son. Because the beauty of Christmas is the son. So, this word, son, in four places in the New Testament, John 3 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The monogenes. He gave his only begotten son. Now remember, unto us a child is born, but unto us a son is given. So God gave. Who did he give? He gave his only begotten. That's the only begotten of the Father. That word, begotten, it needs to be investigated and look at properly. Begotten doesn't mean that uh, a woman has gone to the labor room and gave birth. No, God's begotten son doesn't mean God gave birth to him. What I'm trying to say is logically, to give birth, you don't need marriage in order to give birth. But God, for instance, there's the, because of his interpretation of God's son. Now, we need to get to the bottom of this. When we say Jesus the son of God, he's not talking about he was birthed. He was created. He was uncreated. He's uncreated. And so, in John chapter 1, verse 18, the Bible says that no one has seen God at any time. Yeah. No one. No human being. Yeah. Nobody has seen God. No one has seen God at any time. The only, only begotten of the Father. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of. That's what it means. That, that's very deep. He, he is like. He's not like part of God. He's actually the core essence of God, in the core of God. So the bosom there means the core essence. Nothing less, nothing more. The core essence of God, he came from there. So he was just an extension of core essence, of God. Now watch this, this is what is even beautiful. That God, this is what makes him God. God can send himself on earth and still be in heaven. And so God is on earth and God is in heaven. You cannot have true salvation in the absence of the Trinity. God has to be triune in order to be able to be a redeemer. Because it's God the Son. He's not just the Son of God. He's God the Son. God the Son. When we say he's the only begotten of the Father, it means that he's not like God gave birth, but he just came. He's like an extension. Uh, uh, God, God himself, he just brought himself so that's why when he said i'm the son of god i and my father are one that you say we have to kill you because for you to say i'm the son of god you are making yourself equal with god because that's what in effect means in john chapter 5 verse 17 and verse 19 that's what it means. So, Jesus being the only begotten. In John, 1 John chapter 4, we just read it, verse 9, he said that he is the begotten, only begotten of the Father. In John chapter 3, verse 16, he gave his only begotten. John chapter 1, verse 18, the begotten son. He's the begotten, means that he just came out of the Father. So, when we say a son has been born, we are not talking about just the way Mary gave birth. That child that was born is a son that has been given. God gave Himself and He arrived as a babe. Does that make sense? That, that, that's, that's the beauty of Christmas. How, how can you appreciate Christmas and detach it from Easter? The meaning of Christmas is in Easter. Why should God come? Why must God. If you, I was telling. I was preaching. Or where, I said. It's very far. Heaven is very far. To come from heaven is far. All the way from heaven. <laughs> Why would you take such a trip? Why would you make such a trip? It must be very important. If you're going to make, it's so too far to just take a a, a short trip, like. it's too far. So for Jesus to come, the son to come like this, there must be a very important, and the importance is not just Christmas, he was born. For fashion, for what? The Christian should not forget the essence of Christmas. There is a purpose in John chapter 18, verse 36. He said, to this end have I come into this world. For this purpose, I have come. So I have come. There is a cause to this cause. John chapter eighteen, verse thirty-six and thirty-seven said, "For this cause I have come into the world. I came into the world for this cause. I was born. He's been birthed Had an assignment. Had a cause. He had a cause. There's a purpose. Now, to, I have to end quickly. Re, you can't enjoy and respect Christmas until you know why Jesus came." because the beauty of Christmas is the sun. If you take your eye off the sun, then you just have trees, turkeys, um, pudding. Kissing on the mid, uh, what the, mid. mid. (laughs) Yes, so for the Christian, you don't treat Christmas like the way people who don't know the sun treat Christmas. And our Christmas is about the sun. Remember the day the sun was given. The day the prophecy God himself prophesied was fulfilled. But before I tell you quickly, before I tell you why he came, can I tell you why he didn't come? The reasons, he didn't come for some reasons. Four reasons why Jesus didn't, he didn't come for those four reasons. Number one, he didn't come to save the righteous. Ah. So he didn't come to hang out with the church guys. I know some people say, I'm not religious. Jesus is not, because he didn't come to hang out with the religious. That's why the religious guys were very upset. You should have been with us. Why are you been? He said, I did not come to save the righteous. Luke chapter five, verse 32. Luke 5, 32. Mark chapter two, verse 17. I did not come to save the righteous. He came, but not to save the righteous. Not to save the good guys. What? He didn't come to call the righteous? So that's one wrong reason. Why people think he came? He didn't come for the righteous. Number two, why he didn't come? He didn't come to condemn the world. He didn't come to condemn the world. In John chapter 3, verse 17, God did not send His son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't come to condemn world. that's not why he came. In fact, I saw this text that really was a blessing to me. He said in John chapter 12 verse, verse 47 or so, it talks about how I didn't come to judge the world.. Yeah, he says that. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. I do not judge him. Why? Because I did not come to judge the world. He didn't come to judge. So he didn't come to condemn the world. He didn't come to judge. That's why when they even insulted him on the cross, he never responded. Because he didn't come to judge. He didn't come to condemn. If he had responded that he has violated his purpose for coming, he didn't come so number one, he didn't come to call the righteous. Number two, he didn't come to judge the world. Number three, he didn't come to abolish the law of God or the prophets. He didn't come to rubbish them whatever Moses is saying. Forget it. Forget it, it's not necessary. Well, he didn't come to know. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, he said, I did not come to destroy the law of the prophet, but I came to fulfill them. Romans chapter 8, verse 3, it says that, what the law could not do in that he was weak to the flesh, God did by sending his son. So he, he came to fulfill the law, not to destroy the law. He didn't say the law is not necessary. However, in Romans chapter 10, verse 4, the scriptures clearly say that Christ is the end of the law. It doesn't mean he came to rubbish it. He came to fulfill it so much that there's no requirement the law is asking that hasn't been met. He has fulfilled it. He's the end. Now the law has been satisfied fully. The law has been sorted. So he came to sort the law for us so that we can come in him. And when we are in him, it's like we have already sorted the law. All right, so he said Christ is the end of the law for righteousness, righteous behavior. Mm. To appear righteous before God, no one was able to do it. The law was too high. We are just breaking it left, right, and center. And Jesus came and said, okay, let me just do it. And he did it for us. So now, when you are in Christ, there's no charge the law can bring against you. Yes, that's right. There's now therefore no condemnation to those who are. Hallelujah. But quickly, he didn't come to destroy, destroy the law. So number one, he didn't come to call it the righteous. Number two, he didn't come to judge the world or condemn the world. Number three, he didn't come to destroy the world. And number four, Mark chapter 10, verse 45, he didn't come to be saved. Those of you who come to church only to be saved. (laughs) Jesus didn't come to be saved. Very interesting. Even though he's God who came, that's why he allowed himself to be born in a manger. He was God. People should have been running around him like head pastor. You know, you know the way head pastors are sometimes? If you make a mistake, you don't address him by his title. Some pastors, the way he will descend on you. <laughs> Jesus did not come to be saved. So now, why did he come? Quickly, and then I end. That is what validates the birth. That's what validates. Number one, he came to show us God. He came to reveal God. He came, he is the, S. Hebrews chapter one, verse one to three. God, who in sundry times spoke to us. Hebrews chapter one, verse one to three. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in this last day spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Now look at the verse three. It's there. The mystery is there. Being watched this, who Jesus. Being the brightness of His glory and the express image of God's person. That's why in John chapter 14 verse 6, many people know John 14 6, 6. "I am the way, the truth, and the life." But John 14 9 is very serious. John 14 9, he said, "I have been with you. You have not. You don't know me. You're asking me, show me the Father. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father, because I came to show human beings." Do you remember? He said that no one has ever seen God at any time. John chapter 1, verse 18. No man has ever seen God at any time, but the only begotten of the Father. He has defined him. He has revealed him. He has declared him. He has manifested God. If we want to know how God looks like, you have to look at Christ. So he came to reveal the Father because many people, religiously, are looking for a God to serve. And they are serving wrong gods. They, they, any God who has a different name from The Jehovah God who has a son called Jesus, that God is a demon. Why are you saying that? Why are you saying that? The devil wanted worship. He's always wanted worship. So when he fell on earth, now he's trying to get people to worship him. So he'll he'll package himself like an angel of light. So if you don't know the true God, you will see him and he looks like God and you give him your own name And thinking that you are a good person and you are worshipping God, but you are worshipping the devil. But so how do I know the right God? You have to look at Jesus. If that that God, any God you worship, which cannot be defined in the light of the Son, Jesus Christ, being the Son of this God, being the God who are manifested in the flesh, is the devil. You are worshipping demons, even though you are a good person. Don't believe me till you die. Then you will see. (laughs) <laughs> so so he came to reveal God Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 says that he is the image ah, let's all read that from the screen let's not read, let's go he is the image of the invisible God oh, read it aloud. he is the image of the invisible God the loudest he is the image of the invisible God Christ, he is the image you want to see how God looks like Look at Christ. He's the picture. He's the photograph of God, invisible. You can't see for once. Now you can see him. So he came to reveal, watch this, to reveal God to us. And number two, only two purposes. Number two, number one, he came to reveal God. Number two, he came to redeem man. He came to, that's, that's why he came. He came, that's why the Christmas loses meaning in the absence of Easter. What is Christmas that cannot be traced to Easter? Most people who cannot see Easter in Christmas have missed the purpose of Christmas. You have missed the beauty of Christmas if you can't see Easter in Christmas. Why would it do all this journey and come? Just for you to eat turkey? It might be even cheaper after Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) So you can eat it after Christmas and it's the same stomach. It's the same tummy to enter. <laughs> so he came to redeem man. He came to redeem man. That is why even the devil, not even the devil could stop him from going to the cross. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. So Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the Lord. Now this leads me as I finish the, my core scripture direct: Galatians chapter 4. Verse 4 and verse 5. Christmas and Easter are tied there. Look at verse Verse 4 is Christmas. Verse 5 is Easter. You can't separate the two. They are married. Now, let's look at verse 4. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. When the fullness of time, we see, this is history, history. When the fullness, Christmas is so buried in history, you can't do anything about it. You don't like it, you can't do squat. It was there before you were born. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. The beauty of Christmas is in the Son. So it's not just a baby that. The child is bigger than Mary. Yes. The child is bigger than Mary. Bigger than. The shepherds, when they came and saw it, they said, the angel said, a savior has been born. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. A savior has been born today in the city of. A savior. He's, He's there. He's been born. A savior. He's not an ordinary child, he's a savior. The Savior of the world. In in John chapter four, verse forty-two, the Samaritans told the woman, "We not only don't believe because you told us, but now we believe for ourselves because, because we ourselves have seen that He is the Savior, he is the Christ, the Savior of the world. So that, that baby lying in the manger is not just a normal baby; he's a father baby. he's <laughs> a father baby, and he's a Savior baby." Savior baby, father baby, redeemer baby, lying in a manger. How can I forget about something like that? So Galatians 4 says God sent forth his son. Born of a woman. His son, by just loaned him through the womb of a woman. Born of a woman under the law. Now look at the next verse. Easter comes in. The next verse, verse 5 says that. See, see, the first word there is important. Tells you why he was born. So you can't separate the two. He was born to redeem those who are under the law, that we might also become the sons. God gave his son so that he can harvest sons. The beauty of Christmas is the son. The beauty of... Did you receive something? Give Jesus praise! Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry, we pray you have been strengthened and enlightened. We can connect to David Entry on all relevant social media platforms, including Instagram and LinkedIn. You can also hear many more messages from David Entry on all relevant streaming platforms and the Carriage Church app. Don't forget to like and share the message. Be blessed.